0: Good evening everybody and a very warm welcome to this evening service and it's great to have you all here on such a glorious evening. We'll begin our worship this evening by singing to God's praise in Psalm 73, the Scottish Psalter version of Psalm 73. And when you read the beginning of the psalm, we see that God is good to Israel, to each pure-hearted one. But as for me, my steps near slipped, my feet were almost gone. And then he goes through the experience of the psalmist looking at how the wicked are prospering. But now, as we go to the second half of the psalm, he's concentrating on himself, how he experiences life. And he says there, in verse 23, where he reviews his position and still comes to this conclusion, Nevertheless, says the psalmist, continually, O Lord, I am with thee. Thou dost me hold by my right hand, and still upholdest me. Thou with thy counsel, while I live, wilt me conduct and guide. And to thy glory afterward, receive me to abide. How God is close Always to his people. How he will conduct us. How he will guide us. Whom have I in the heavens I, But thee O Lord alone. And in the earth whom I desire. Besides thee there is none. And we can all reflect on verse 26. That says. My flesh. My heart doth faint and fail. But God doth fail me never. For of my heart. God is the strength and portion forever. We'll sing to the end of the verse, Mark 28, to God's praise. Verse 23 to 28, nevertheless continually, O Lord, I am with thee. together in prayer. Let us pray. Our gracious Lord, it is surely great for us and good for us to close in with you this evening on a day that's been so lovely and so pleasant to experience, yet we recognize that you are the light of our lives, that you are the one that gives us light and hope. You are the one in whom we trust. For you are the perfect Lord God. You are the thrice holy Lord who created everything we see around us. And yours is the almighty power to whom we bow at this time, recognizing our own frailty, our own weakness, and our own sin before you. And we humble ourselves as we recognize that you are the almighty Lord, who in the person of the Lord Jesus came into our experience, when he walked on this earth and he died on that cruel cross for us and how his spirit, the Comforter, uh, touched our hearts. And we give you thanks for that grace that we have inherited of which we are unworthy. But Lord, we give you thanks and all the honour and all the glory and all the praise For the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ, that any who wish to come to the Lord Jesus and in trust and in faith accept Jesus as Saviour will be taken out of darkness and placed in the light. And we can then trust in the Lord to be close to us as the psalmist sang, as we have just sung, as we sing these words that are so personal to most and all of your people. Our Father, we pray for those who have no care or concern for their souls. We commend them to you, praying that you would help us to be effective witnesses for you in our lives, in our occupations, in our places where we work, where we live, in our own communities. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to be willing to stand up for Christ, to share the good news with people whom we have the opportunity of uh, speaking with and witnessing to in a way that would show by our walk, by the way we behave, that we are Christ's and that our message is Christ and Him crucified. Nothing else uh, that we believe will save any soul other than Christ. And him crucified. And we give you thanks, our Father, for the hope that we have that is a sure hope. I give you thanks for every soul gathered here this evening. I pray that you would teach each one of us from your word and you this night, that we would all recognize your word speaking directly to all of us. For when we read the scriptures we hear your voice. When we read the scriptures, you reveal your mind to us. Help us then to understand what you are saying to us so that we could apply it in a way that is winsome, that is effectual in the lives of others, as you would use us uh, through the Holy Spirit moving and guiding and uh, in our prayerful consideration of the opportunities placed before us that we would bring people to Jesus and that the Spirit would work marvelously in their hearts, in their own lives. We commend to you those who are with us uh, this evening, the young ones, especially the boys and girls. We give you thanks for them. We thank you for everyone that came this morning and how well they listened. And I pray that you would continue to bless the children of our congregations, those who are with us and those yet unborn. And we give you thanks for the covenant blessings that apply to your people And for those children who are exceptionally blessed, who are prayed for before they are born. So we commend them all to you, asking, Lord, that you would give parents the wisdom, the discernment to bring up children in a way that would glorify you, give you all the honour and all the glory. For we give you thanks for the joy that children bring. And we ask, Lord, that you would care over them, that you would show them that care and that they would know that love of family and that love of congregation and we ask Lord that you would lead us and guide us as a nation also we commend to you our leaders those who uh, work in parliament those who uh, lead us as a nation we pray for our prime minister and our first minister and their cabinets in Westminster and in Holyrood. We ask, Lord, for discernment. We ask, Lord, for wisdom to be seen and to be expressed in uh, these council meetings, in these meetings where so many people will be affected as a result of policies generated there. So we ask, Lord, that you would uphold those who call upon your name and prayerfully consider how best to serve you in these avenues. We ask, Lord, that you remember our MSPs. We pray for Kate at this time and all the other MSPs who serve you and who also uh, work in Parliament. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to uphold them in prayer and comfort them and encourage them also. So we ask, Lord, that you would remember those laid aside through illness. Those who are carrying burdens this evening, burdens and anxieties associated with health and with well-being. Those who may be suffering because of financial issues. We ask, Lord, that when we recognize the hardships that so many are experiencing in our land, uh, that we look to you for our help and encouragement in these difficult days. But we ask, Lord, that you would teach us to be kind, to be generous also. And where we see need, that you would move our hearts in the compassion that was so exemplified in your own son's uh, witness in this world. Help us then to be useful uh, stewards for you in our own communities. Remembering the weak, supporting them where we can and being there for them as they need us. Remember those who are students at this time, having undergone so many difficult years as a result of COVID. We commend to you our student population. Uphold them, encourage them, and teach them to remember the teachings that those who grew up in the church eh, from their young days would not turn away from your way. We ask, Lord, that you would help to keep them focused on their soul's welfare, on their eh, own spiritual eh, health and strength. So lead us and guide us in our worship this evening. Help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Help us to sing your praise honestly and sincerely so that when we take these words on our lips that we realize these are the words inspired by your own Holy Spirit. And as we sing with praise and joy we give you thanks for them and for the message of hope that they give us and for the wisdom and guidance found therein. Lead us and guide us now, we pray. Open your word to us, we pray. For we ask all this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Now, can we continue to praise God as we sing again in uh, Psalm 18. Psalm 18, the Sing Psalms version of Psalm 18. At the beginning, the psalm says, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. A fortress is the Lord to me, my rock and my deliverer, for refuge to my God I flee. But as we turn to verse 25, where we see there, with faithful people you keep faith, and to the blameless you are good. With pure men you yourself are pure, but with the crooked you are shrewd. And in verse 29, with help from God I can advance. Against a troop and rout them all. And with the aid my God will give. I can leap over any wall. These are words of hope. Words of encouragement. And words of trust in the Lord Jesus. We sing now Psalm 18. Sing Psalms verse 25 to 34 to God's praise. Now, if you turn with me, if you have your Bibles, or we'll read now in Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 16 through into chapter 17. 16 from the beginning through into chapter 17. And the Pharisees and Sadducees came to and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. And he answered them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, For the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, But you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, But no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they began discussing it amongst themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive Do you not remember the five loaves for the five thousand, and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand, and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders the chief priests the scribes and be killed on the third and on the third day be raised And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying Far be it from you Lord this shall never happen to you But he that is Jesus Turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And after six days Jesus took with them Peter and James and John his brother and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. Amen. And may God add his own blessing to that reading of his inerrant word. As we sing again now in Psalm 45a, the common version, common meter version of Psalm 45a at the beginning. Where the psalmist again encourages us and inspires us by saying, A noble theme inspires my heart with verses for the king. My tongue's a skillful writer's pen, composing lines to sing. When you think that these are lines that were written or inspired by the Holy Spirit, these are the thoughts of God written down by these men as they were moved to write these words you far excel the best of men says the psalmist your lips are full of grace for God has blessed you evermore his light shines on your face write forth in state victoriously for meekness truth and light and write let your right hand display your deeds of awesome power and might We'll sing the first six verses to God's praise. A noble theme inspires my heart. To the verse Mark six. <clears throat> As we have the word of God open before us, let's pray asking the Lord to open our hearts and minds. Our gracious Lord, we have the word open before us now and we pray that as we consider these words that were inspired by your spirit and as you speak to us this evening, open our ears to hear, our hearts to know and our minds to understand what you are saying to us. Help us to apply your words faithfully, diligently and in a way that would honour you above all else. We've just sung of how we praise you for your power, your authority and your rule over us. And as we consider what we have before us now, lead us and guide us for one reason and one reason only. To give yourself all the honour and glory as our minds marvel at what we read. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. And for his sake. Amen. Now when we read these passages in Matthew that speak of Christ's experience on earth. We have in chapter 16 the very down to earth if you like example of his ministry. And how he's even telling his disciples that he is going to suffer and be mistreated by the church and that he was actually going to die and how the disciples said no that won't happen to you and the next passage we see how Christ goes up to the mountain with uh, these three disciples and he's transfigured which is if you like a foretaste of the glory that belongs to the Lord and as we consider what this means to us in 2022 I want you to realize that this is a message of hope for you also because as this is Christ's ministry as Christ's ministers on earth we also can relate to a degree one degree or other to particularly to what we see in chapter 16 but in faith And ensure hope, the foretaste of eternity and the glory that is Christ's, that is our inheritance, should be a comfort and an encouragement to you this evening also. If you are a believer, if you trust in the Lord Jesus, these words will apply directly to you. And my prayer and my hope is that if you aren't a believer this evening If you still haven't come to the Lord Recognizing your need of a Savior That you would consider yourself within the context of these passages Because these passages directly influence you One way or the other Now and also at the termination of life When we pass out of time into eternity. Which is why these words must be solemnly considered by all of us. But first of all, when we look at what we have here before us, in verse sixteen, in chapter sixteen, where we see the Lord talking to the disciples about the challenges that are before him, how he is going to suffer. And who here is any stranger to suffering? We all know what it is to be tired, to be weary. And some of us know suffering more than others. Some of us have been ill, unwell, and maybe undergone surgery. And we know what suffering is. The Lord knew suffering. In his context, he had nothing of this world's goods. He was poor. And in status, he was low, the lowest of the low, in that he came from a backwoods town. He wasn't, shall we say, held in any high regard socially. And with respect to his upbringing, it was very common and very poor. But he suffered because of his perfection, because of his ministry, and because he spoke the truth, albeit in love. He challenged the establishment, and he challenged the religious leaders of the day also. And nobody likes to be challenged. And it's interesting that the church responded negatively to his ministry because he challenged them. He challenged their heart and their reasoning and their way of ministry. He challenged the taboos. He challenged their traditions because they weren't putting God first. They were thinking of themselves. They were thinking of their own position. Of their own traditions. That had become more important than the message. God first. God always first. And that's a message we forget at our peril. We always must put the Lord first. Why? Well, we've read it in the Psalms. God is our King. God is our Creator. He alone is worthy of honour and praise. He has given us everything we have. He has given us life. So we should in thankfulness and in gratitude look to the Lord and thank Him for all that He has given us. And the Lord Himself, Jesus Himself, did so. Praying to his Father. Taking time out and going to spend time with his Father. Therein lies a challenge for ourselves. In our busy days, in our days of challenge. When every hour is pres- precious. How many times do we take time out to spend with the Lord. To give him that place of priority. That place That special place of priority. And it's interesting where Jesus foretells his death and resurrection. And Peter took him aside after Jesus said that he must suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and be raised again the third day. And then Peter, in verse 22, took him aside. And the temerity of the man. He began to rebuke Jesus. Oh. Lord this shall not happen to you. And look at the response of Jesus. In verse 22-23. Jesus turned and said to Peter. Get behind me Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind. On the things of God. But on the things Of man. And when we look at what Peter said, it sounds reasonable. His beloved Savior was saying he was going to be hurt, abused, and killed by the scribes, by the Pharisees, by the people in Jerusalem. He didn't want that to happen. And that's a natural response from somebody. He didn't want the Savior he loved, his leader, his teacher, whom he loved, to be killed. But he rebuked Jesus, that won't happen to you, not on my watch. But it's interesting, that rebuke from the Lord, get behind me, Satan. And there's a warning there. There's a warning there for all of us to always consider what God's will is, what God's plan is. What God's mindset is. Because Peter is representing the church. He is one of the founding fathers of the church of Christ in this world. Reminding us that Peter wasn't perfect. Reminding us that neither are we. And in providence God might be sending us into difficult days. We're being challenged left, right and center With philosophies from this world And the mindset of this world The spirit of the age is so anti-Christ That we have to stand up and be counted But we've got to do it with one aim One objective behind it all And that is to give God the glory To give God his place Not us our place Not our denomination or any other denomination. The denomination does not come first. God comes first. I don't come first, no matter how brilliant or how great I think I am. God comes first. What was behind Peter's response to Jesus' message? Oh, oh, was was it selfishness? I don't want to lose you. Therefore, I will stand up and protect you because I don't want to see you killed. But remember that from the beginning of time and through the prophecies of the Old Testament, the Messiah that was promised, that would be led like a lamb to the slaughter and before, uh, like a lamb before the shearers is dumb, Christ was going to be offered and was going to die in the room and in the stead of sinners. And Paul and Peter had forgotten that. And he was looking at this Lord that he loved. And from our standpoint what he said sounds justified. It sounds sensible. It sounds great. But it's not the will of God. And if Peter had remembered his scripture. As we must remember scripture when we are challenged. We must base all of our pronouncements, all of our policies, all of our decisions on the word of God. For one reason. To glorify God. To give Him that glory. To give Him that place that only He is worthy of. And isn't it amazing to consider that Peter there wanting to save his saviour was so wrong get behind me Satan who Satan can trip us up using logic using what we might consider common sense but in the light of scripture and in the light of the fulfilment of Old Testament prophecy Peter was well out of order and the Lord rebuked him the Lord corrected him Get behind me Satan. You are an offence to me. You are not mindful of the things of God. But rather of the things of men. You are not setting your mind on the things of God. And that's why it's so critical. It's so important for us to take that message. Very clear message given to Peter to heart. Personally, when it says you are not set in your mind on the things of God but on the things of man, and I speak to the leadership, particularly elders, ministers, people in leadership, we must consider God's mindset in all things because we are the leaders of the people and we must show them that we lead. On the example of the Lord himself. And our policies, our decisions are totally and fully founded on the word of God. Not on common fads. On modern trends or traditions. Or aims and objectives etc etc. Which in their own right might be good. But only if they're stayed. Only if they're built and founded upon the truth. That we have in the word of God Yes the reformation And the reformers teach us Semper reformanda Always reform Yes reform But based upon what the word of God is telling us And moving us towards Because if we put denomination If we put census Records and numbers before God We won't work We won't win we won't succeed. The whole reasoning behind our motives in a church setup, in a congregational setup, is glorifying God. Which is why we thought this morning about the unity and the purpose of congregations to come together. God says that all of us aren't teachers or preachers, some are carers, some are Listeners, some are nurses and healers. You know where your strengths are, and as a leadership, we must look for the strengths in our own congregations, but always with a view to providing avenues for service so that people can be recognized uh, as being able to provide. A service to the community. Why? To honour God. To glorify God. And God says if you see a brother or a sister hungry, feed him. If you have somebody in need out of your largesse, you provide. You give succour. You give comfort. Because the Lord here reminded them when they were talking about food. And ladies, these disciples, they never took their packed lunches you never would have allowed that to happen if you'd been on watch these blokes they forgot
1: it's
0: interesting when uh, we were talking out in the corridor there about camps and how you know we'd go out to climb the hills and the amount of people that we had to serve have you got your packed lunch oh no kids particularly the blokes the boys always forgot to pack their lunch but these lovely women used to feed us and look after us so well kept us right but from our standpoint for one reason and it must be the glory of God So that God comes first. And God comes first in us recognizing our opportunity of sharing the word of God with people who we come into contact with. And it's great to notice that when you look at who God uses. God says in 1 Corinthians, you see your calling brethren, not many wise according to the flesh. Not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. There's a lesson there. Who would have chosen Saul of Tarsus to become the apostle? Well, nobody from a human standpoint, but from God's point of view. That remarkable, amazing, miraculous transformation on the road to Damascus turned his life around and look at the usefulness that that, uh, Paul's life was put to for God's purposes. So it is very critical for us to discern God's mind in all our decisions. So that comes to our career choices, it comes to our decisions, maybe in school and university, what we want to do postgraduate, what we want to do with our lives to glorify God. So I ask then that logical question that comes out of this what are we doing? With respect to our response to this passage How do we respond to this passage What are we doing To extend God's kingdom To glorify God In the midst of all the suffering we see around us In the midst of the trying And very difficult days In which we are alive What are we doing To glorify God What are we doing To give him the glory Honor and praise A noble theme inspires my heart, says the psalmist. Is that inspiration in your mind, in your heart this evening? That noble theme of working for God, of sharing this brilliant news, this exciting news. Jesus, and him crucified, Jesus will save you from your sins. And there we have in passage 16, that very earthbound ministry of God. And now let's move on to chapter 17 Where Jesus is transfigured on the mount Six days after six days Jesus took Peter, James and John his brother To a high mountain by themselves And was transfigured before them His face shone like the sun His clothes became white as light And behold there appeared to them Moses and Elijah Talking with him. Imagine their saviour, their king, their teacher, their leader, Jesus, their friend, transfigured. A hint of what's to come. A real vision of the glory that belongs to Jesus. Jesus the poor carpenter's son. Jesus, the man who had nothing in this world, yet within the context of eternity, the glory that, apl- that applies to him was shone in their vision, shone onto him, and shone from him. The glory that came from him was obvious to them. They saw his face shining like the sun. His clothes became white as light. That's the future that awaits Jesus, that awaits God's people who inherited that same glory with Jesus. And how this was going to be an encouragement to these disciples, post-resurrection of our Saviour, of Jesus himself. And how from very earthbound, mundane situation where he knows suffering and trial and tribulation is... Counterpoised by this transfiguration this fore, forewarning if you like of the glory that's going to be Jesus as, and is going to be ours in eternity how this is, should be an encouragement to you also because it would have been an encouragement to the disciples remembering this experience when they were bereft of their saviour when he left them before the comforter came And in their teaching, in their preaching, they had evidence. Eyewitness evidence of the glory that applies to God and to Christ and to God's people and the saved that are found in the Lord in the days to come. And you, if you are a brother or a sister in the Lord, must take comfort from this vision also. Because this promise applies to you. Brother, sister in the Lord, your face will shine with the glory of Jesus in eternity because you will be with them, Because you are a joined heir with the Lord of all the glory of heaven. How humbling that is to God's people to realize we inherit that with Jesus. And when we consider our position as a congregation of the church, This is the worldwide church of Christ. That glory is there for your encouragement. It's there for your inheritance that awaits you in eternity when your time comes to go there. But in the meantime, on earth, we consider, well, how do we apply our physicality? Our materials, our resources to glorify God in our existence in Cromarty, in the Ross and Cromarty, in North Keswick, wherever we are in the world in 2022. Because we've sung the Psalms that speak of a God that helps us, of a God that is our help, our strength, our stay. And we've seen a foretaste of heaven in that transfigured Lord. And what what greater image is there for us in 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 our day-to-day experience, in our day-to-day existence than that of a transfigured Savior that's a foretaste of what awaits you in heaven. So take this passage, read it. Put yourself into the context of that transfigured Savior and realize that your gift from God is that victory that we spoke of, that we read of in Colossians, that is for, well, signed, a sign posted, if you like, in the transfiguration on this mountain. And how the, the closest of the disciples saw this and how they wrote this down. Why? So that we can think about it in July 2022. We see the glory of the sun shining bright out there today. It's nothing compared to the glory of the Lord God Almighty, whom Moses couldn't even watch as he uh, passed by. He had to be put in the cleft of the rock because his human eyes, his physical eyes, would not stand up to the awesome power of this God of gods <coughs> of this king of kings and as peter was still speaking he heard a voice and said that said this is my beloved son with whom i am well pleased and look at the last three words listen to him that's our challenge to take from here the lesson That Peter learned. This is Jesus who died for us. This is Jesus who gave us this good news. And our challenge is to listen. Listen to him. Go home, read these two passages, 16 and 17 in Matthew, and ask yourself how am I going to glorify God this evening, this day? In First Corinthians it's written, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? The Spirit of God dwells in you. And you are linked in a way that's beyond all our understanding with Peter, with John, with Jesus in heaven. And it's interesting, when we sing our closing praise this evening... In a very real sense We're linking in with the people who are singing In the nearer presence of God And when we praise God We are joining in the worship of that Father That Son And through the Spirit working in us He will unite us In a way that we can't do ourselves And why will He unite us? Because we will have one purpose. And that purpose is to seek God's glory. There's nobody in this building tonight. Who wouldn't protect that little infant. That beautiful wee baby there. There's nobody in this building that wouldn't protect. The child that's soon to be born. We'll do everything to protect the ones we love. Jesus did that for us. He loves us so much. He died for us. And our obligation is to give him the glory and therefore put ourselves up for active duty, active service in his name so that we can take comfort, can take encouragement from these pages of scripture that speak of the reality of the suffering, Saviour, the reality of the transfigured, transformed saviour, sorry, I shouldn't say transformed, transfigured Saviour. Because the glory that is His, the glory that is God's, is offered to you and shared to you as a shared inheritance. How mind-blowing is that? And that is your gift from God. And our choice is to stand up and be counted for Him so that we can go forth And share the good news like the lady at the well, like the woman at the well. So we can look after one another. We can encourage one another the way that these words on these pages encourage us. To know that we are united with that Jesus. The way that is beyond our understanding. But is known by every one of us. And there are saints who we used to know who are no longer with us, who are now singing in perfect harmony in heaven. And as we close this evening, we will be joining them in praising that God who is the one who and the one alone who is worthy of all honour, of all praise. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we give you thanks for your word that encourages us to look to you and to look to the Saviour that was transfigured on that hill, on that mountain, in a way that blew the minds of those who saw it. Yet we realize that this is the promise, the inheritance that awaits all God's people. So unite us with that one aim, one purpose, to glorify you in honoring you by living our lives in the way that you wish us to live, that you desire to see us live for Christ. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We're going to conclude now by singing to God's praise in Psalm 97, the Sing Psalms version of Psalm 97, at the beginning. The Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. Do you believe it? You know it if you're a believer in the Lord. The Lord reigns, let earth be glad. The dist- let distant shores express delight. Clouds and thick darkness cover him. His throne is built. On truth and right. We're going to sing to the verse Mark 9 to God's praise. And let's praise the Lord with our voices as we conclude our service this evening.